It was a great night for college football. It was a great night for fans of both West Virginia and Pitt. But in the end, it was the Panthers fans who left Acrisure Stadium with the smiles on their faces after a 38-31 pit victory in the first backyard brawl in 11 years. Right now on the Golden Blue Nation podcast, presented by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WBLawFirm.com. We're here to break it down and explain why maybe we're not feeling so bad the day after the game. Nick Farrell here with you on the Golden Blue Nation podcast, joined by our Mountaineer football insider, Angelica Trenone. We were at the game yesterday. We are still transient people. We are recording this podcast Barely. still in the Steel City. And we're getting ready to cover Alec Manoa tonight, which is going to be a real treat. But first, Angelica, the backyard brawl, man, I mean, that one hurt. That one hurt. That one hurt, but like you said at the it was such... It was just such a great game, Nick. So as much as it did hurt because of the opponent and because of the outcome it was, I mean, really up until the pick six, West Virginia had this one right there for the taking for a team that was filled with a lot of unknowns coming into this season opener. I think, I mean, aside from a few plays, West Virginia went out there and showed fight. This is how I'm feeling about it. I'm going to paraphrase paraphrase a quote from West Virginia's QB1 JT Daniels because I think this quote kind of sums up how I don't want to say most of us because I know by judging from social media there are different 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 opinions about what happened last night but JT said after the game things you can fix from a week to week basis execution that's one of the things he says West Virginia can do that moving forward what you can't fix if you don't have it is culture and fight he said this is a team's this is a team that can fight and Mm. that's what makes him optimistic I think that last line right there the fight West Virginia showed definitely was apparent at Acrisure Stadium despite that outcome absolutely Angelica so I don't want to dwell too much on the negativity of the loss Because really, last night, we were up until 5 a.m. recording the Neil Brown show, and it was borderline miserable after watching the way that that game ended. Uh, Afterward, waking up this morning, maybe feeling a little bit different, a little bit more optimistic, and we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. Um, But but let's just discuss that play that you mentioned, the pick six by Devonshire for Pitt. It sealed the victory for the Panthers, completely changed the game. And even though the Mountaineers had a solid drive to try to respond and tie the score that ended with an incompletion on the goal line, a play that was originally ruled a catch and then overruled as an incompletion after review. And West Virginia was right there the whole time. So I think there's two ways to look at this. You can look at it as a really West Virginia loss, like the most, the epitome of a West Virginia loss, right? Probably the most West Virginia-y loss, uh, maybe since the Oklahoma game last year, the way that they lost that game last year. Don't even say Taylor Cornelius around But me. that's what I'm going, going to. 2018 oh. with, a, with a Big 12 championship game spot on the line and you blow a 17-point lead. I, I would say that this one stings like that. Probably worse because it's Pitt, but... I think that this loss really only stings because it's Pitt. Totally. Because this is a really good... If you just look at Pitt and put somebody else's jerseys on him, let's just for the sake of argument say that Vanderbilt had a fantastic football team, nationally ranked, and West Virginia opened on the road at Vandy. I don't think that fans entering this season would be so ticked off about the way that that game went if it was Vanderbilt. But because it's Pitt, people are 
out there losing their minds on the internet over the last 12 hours or so. I don't know. Do, do you share that sentiment, Angelica? Like, because it's very possible that when you look at West Virginia's schedule, this is the best team that WVU is going to play until that Thursday night Baylor game on in mid-October. I, I think that's a, a legitimate possibility. And, and you may look back and say, you know, that loss to Pitt really stung because it was a rivalry, because the backyard brawl was dormant for a decade. But when you look at just the matchup itself, that was a really good pit team, and West Virginia hung right there with them till the very end. Yeah, I agree. I think, obviously, opponent, um, the backyard brawl being gone for so long and also coming back, there was just so much emotion surrounding that game from every single person involved, from being down there on the field all the way to the nosebleeds up there. That game was so emotional and truly while it, you know, if you're somebody who is completely an unbiased party, you're watching that game last night being like, heck yes, college football is back. If you're someone who knows nothing about what the backyard brawl is about, you saw that last night and you're like, whoa, okay, this backyard brawl is something that I'm going to be looking forward to even though I have no allegiance to either team. Mm -hmm. It was that good of a game, and truly, it was back and forth, and it was one of those, Nick, until the pick six, you truly had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, did we have C.J. Donaldson, a kid who I would go pretty far as far to say is a lot of people watching that game had no idea he even existed on that team. And then he just barreled on through. He finds his way to the end zone. He tries to pull a steady ambition stiff arm. It was pretty great. No Stedman, but you know, nobody can be. And then he ends up blocking the punt. Hershey McLaurin, a guy too people aren't probably familiar with, almost returns it. So there were just so many things that if you had your bingo card out, I'm sure you weren't expecting to see on there. And I mean, JT Daniels, when you look at him, He is somebody who, yes, he's played a lot of college football, but truly he hasn't really played in a game Mm -hmm. in an extremely long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Going back to the start of the season last year at Georgia when he saw that true game action. It's been roughly a full year since he he made his last start. Yeah, absolutely. And the way we've heard, oh, Graham Harrell, he wants to throw the deep pass. JT's got this catchable deep ball, right? I mean, he he was slinging it mm-hmm. out there last night. We talked about this earlier. I saw some of West Virginia's receivers make plays we have not seen them make in the three, four, five years that they've been here with this program. So for a lot of unknowns surrounding it, I think if you have to put put you know outcome aside, because I know I don't want to say, oh, that's the best that can happen from a loss, because I understand that probably makes zero sense, right? Right. No moral victories in football. Right, right? absolutely. But when you see the way that these guys fought and the way that they were handling themselves after the game, too, the way that they were just picking each other up and being like, hey, we know we're a good team. And I know a lot of people nationally, locally, were not, was not expecting to see West Virginia fight that hard last night. Daniels 23 for 40 with two touchdowns, both of them to Bryce Ford Wheaton and an interception in his Mountaineer debut. Also had a rushing touchdown, which apparently is the first rushing touchdown of his collegiate career in any of his previous stops, including USC and Georgia. So that's an interesting factoid. Uh, You know, I think you can, again... Look at this two ways, Angelica. Graham Harrell, the new offensive coordinator, said on Monday, when he looks at quarterbacks, the most important stat to him is winning because that's what matters. How many games has a quarterback won? JT Daniels went 7-0 at Georgia as a starting quarterback. 
He's now 0-1 at West Virginia. And so when you look at it just from that perspective, that's the most important stat. And JT Daniels doesn't have one in the win column yet and failed to get one in what would have been a really great opportunity against Pitt. Mountaineers hung right there with him. Think about what that could have done for this team to win that game in terms of putting itself in the national spotlight and preparing itself for a tough Big 12 schedule this year. But I think you can also look at one other intangible. This one's really hard to measure. And the thing that impressed me most about Daniel wasn't the deep ball, but Mm -hmm. something you alluded to a moment ago, and it was the leadership, right? The leadership component, because he's a guy who came in late, did not play in the spring game, joined the Mountaineers in May, but guys came back from their summer break early so that they could start working out with Daniels. We didn't hear too much about JT during the quarterback uh, competition because the coaching staff was discussing all four guys that were in the mix. Got to learn a little bit more about Daniels this week. I think what he really showed is poise, composure, leadership, that he clearly has the attention of his teammates, even though he's only been with this program for, what, three, four months. Uh, I think that was a really great sign. And overall, that's my biggest individual takeaway is that, yeah, he looked good on the field. He made some great passes, types of passes that we haven't really seen a quarterback make for the old Golden Blues since Will Greer left in 2018. So that's important, yeah. But when you look at that leadership component, that is extremely important as well, especially when you consider now that these guys are 0-1 going into a, now what's become a huge game against Kansas in an early Big 12 opener. Feel really confident in Daniel's ability to lead the offense, get these guys in the right headspace, and go out there and try to get a result against KU in a couple of days. And I think that that has a lot to do with one of the reasons Neil Brown said he won the job was because his maturity. Mm. His maturity and his experience as a veteran player in college football was very apparent out there on the field. He was in the side whenever – Reese Smith had what we thought was going to be the most heroic catch that Reese Smith probably would have ever made in his life. He came, JT went right up to him and he said, hey man, it, you know, it's okay. We should have won that game. You played your heart. We, we watched it happen. Mm-hmm. After some, after Caden Prather had um, one of the, he had his fumble there after Lee Coba recovered, recovered the fumble and uh, Pitt got the ball back. They came off the field and JT said, hey, Next play, we'll get it the next time. Put it out of your mind. We got more work to do. And the guys, from what we saw last night, the response to that, and I think because of that, he's a guy who this, while he did say this is one of the top atmospheres he's ever played in in a game that he will remember for a really long time, that's saying a lot because he's been in a lot of big games. Mm -hmm. So I think that the respect for him showed the way that he was talking with the offensive line and like you said, in such a short amount of time, the way that he was able to rally this team and let them know no matter what, they were not out until the clock ran out and it was officially over. I think the way he handled himself in those situ- those situations really helped the young guys on this team who needed that because we've seen some moments to where the pressure can get to them. How could the pressure have not got to these guys last night? And I think JT is a big reason that they were able able to, one, continue the fight and stay in it because of exactly what you mm-hmm. were talking about. And I'm not going to go too in-depth on this, but I am going to mention one little thing here when it comes to JT. I know a lot of people had concerns about the state of West Virginia's quarterback room now that there are four of them in there. And I want to tell you, these guys 
These guys are riding with each other. JT says Mountaineer Nation, let's ride. Quarterback room, <laughs> let's ride. We saw Gary Green over there with JT every step of the way. Goose Crowder, Nico Markiel, they were helping him wipe blood off. They were helping giving him water. They were tuned in. So that too, I think that he not only has the attention and the respect from the guys that he's playing with, but he also has it from guys who I'm sure are eager to learn from him because they're pretty green in their experience as well. Absolutely, Angelica. So we'll come back here after a short break and give you two more quick takeaways from the backyard brawl that have us optimistic and looking forward to the matchup against Kansas. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Pritt and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Pritt and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Pritt and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Pritt and Spano. West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com. The Golden Blue Nation podcast continues. We're presented by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, yourwvlawfirm.com. Nick Farrell and Angelica Trenone here. Final thoughts following a backyard brawl loss, 38-31. Panthers defeat West Virginia in the first brawl in 11 years and 105th all-time. Okay, Angelica, I think when you're talking about things that make you optimistic for the remainder of the season, C.J. Donaldson has to be a guy that comes to mind. What a night. I mean, everybody who said, oh, what's this rushing attack going to look like without Letty Brown? Of course, Tony Mathis was there. I mean, C.J. Donaldson was like, yeah, hi, hello. I am also here. And again, we talk about such, such an interesting story that he really made the switch to running back close to the start of fall camp. He said post game, they said, hey, we think we could have a spot for you at running back, even though you're here as a tight end. What do you think? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And he went out there and he balled out. Neil Brown calls those types of players dudes. I think C.J. Donaldson looked like a dude out there, especially for a freshman. He rushed for over 100. And, he rushed for 125 yards and that just on seven carries. And he looked like a grown man out there. So I think that that right there, along with what West Virginia can do in the past game, now you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, I think maybe West Virginia's run game with Donaldson and the two veterans and Tony Mathis and Justin Johnson pretty good shape behind that experienced offensive line. Your dude Chad Scott's got a guy that can take it to the crib anytime he touches the ball. I mean, I know yeah, that he's often, earning that Fiji water. I, I know that opposing defenses are going to uh, know about him, right? He's not going to be this maybe the secret weapon for too much longer, but he seems like one heck of an athlete and, and one heck of an asset for the offense. And talk about someone who was not afraid. I mean, he was yep. going out there like this was his 100th college football game, like a true veteran. Yep. Talk about somebody who really carried themselves with maturity. CJ Donaldson, what a heck of a Mountaineer debut. So for me, two more quick things, Angelica. You know, I thought the defense overall was solid. I think that the secondary was not as solid at times, and, and there were some lapses there. But uh, when you have a guy ejected for a targeting penalty and you have your all big preseason All-Big yeah. 12 cornerback knocked out in the first half, well, yeah, that then, then, then that definitely hurts, right? And so I don't know that we necessarily got a true – uh, we can have a true evaluation of the secondary after just one game because of those things. Some of the guys showed some promise, including McCormick, who was the player ejected for targeting. So, uh, again, I think that maybe it's going to take the, the remainder of the month to really understand what the situation is in the secondary. But, man, that defensive front made yeah. Keaton Slovis's night not so fun, I would say. He was sacked five times. Uh, man, 
I was super impressed. I mean, we knew that West Virginia's defensive line coming into this season, probably its best overall position group. Those guys balled, and if they continue to ball, that's going to be really tough for opposing quarterbacks all season long, especially against a, a pit offensive line that was supposed to be very, very good. They, they struggled to protect their new starting quarterback against Dante Stills, Taj Alston, Jared Bartlett, and the rest of that crew. The other thought, I just want to make sure that, that this this note is brought up on this podcast. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton is going to be somebody who is now uh, a controversial topic yeah. because he played extremely well, but had that one key mistake uh, that cost West Virginia the game, essentially, because it was the turning point in the contest. Tied at 31, ball slips through his hands. He had been absolutely sensational up to that point, even on special teams. Oh, gosh, yeah, he absolutely hit. lit that guy up on Destroyed. that punt return. Uh, but, you know, that is the play that people are going to remember. And so the thing that I want to see is how Bryce responds to this, because he seemed like an entirely different wide receiver out there. His focus, his ability to go up for balls, his his speed, the way that he could separate himself in single, double coverage, whatever. I mean, he is clearly JT Daniels' go-to guy. And it goes back to that leadership piece that we talked about a little bit ago on the podcast. You know that that's going to get addressed. Daniels is going to keep going to Bryce and they're going to build that confidence back up if it needs to be built back up. Because for West Virginia's offense to click, it is already clear that those two guys need to be in sync. And so, you know, my thought is I was extremely, extremely impressed by what I saw from Bryce Ford Wheaton. And I think that, yeah, you know, that that tip tip drill interception, that hurts. That hurts. But I really want to see how Bryce responds moving forward because I thought that he was exceptional. He's he's clearly got the right mentality, and I think that the best is still yet to come from him this season. West Virginia has needed a guy like that since David Sills, Gary Jennings left the program again in 2018, haven't really had a guy who can be a deep threat on that deep ball from Daniels, right? I think that it's Ford Wheaton is absolutely critical to the success of the offense this year and and will be back for sure. Man, there, there's no way to sugarcoat it. BFW was out for blood last My night goodness. I mean I mentioned this to you earlier some of them he's like parkouring out there to get up he's just stepping on people <laughs> he's jumping up into the air first half ball when Daniels got maybe he got hit and threw it like up into the sky oh, and Bryce goes that. up and finds it I mean that was a heck of a play I know it was insignificant in the grand scheme of things it might have gone for a first down but like that was not a he play that Bryce was making two years ago, even no, last season, right? No, absolutely. And, and two, both of his touchdowns, we have seen that same play going to him right there in the back corner. We've either seen in both in contested situations as well. We've seen hit. We've seen it become an interception. We've also seen him not make the catch. Bryce was out there fighting last night, and this is the type of player that. West Virginia has known that Bryce can be, and they've been waiting for him to show his potential over the past couple of years. I think it's really been building to this moment, and I think that he has shown that he can be that guy to watch for West Virginia. We talk about Mountaineer football being in his DNA. He's mm -hmm. a double legacy player. Right. In his last season here, I think we're going to see a whole different side of Bryce. And when you just look at him compared to other receivers – his body, I mean, he just, he looks so different. Not only is he one of the tallest ones, I think Caden Prather might be the tallest at 6'4", and then Bryce is at 6'3", but as far as body is concerned, he's got to be one of the bigger-bodied receivers in the Big 12, and I think he showed 
that he can use that body to create big plays. Let me, let me just make sure I clarify what, what I said earlier, Angelica, because I don't think I was super concise about the point that I was trying to okay. make a moment ago. When I woke up this morning and looked at Twitter, I had a ton of people in my mentions just riding Bryce for that one mistake, right? The the, the tip the tip drill interception, right? And it was because I tweeted something about how Bryce clearly rose to the occasion of the rivalry. And I thought that was key for West Virginia yeah. as a whole. He specifically rose to the occasion. And I know people want to have it. They, they find a scapegoat. Fans find a scapegoat when something goes wrong, like what happened to West Virginia, leading by a touchdown in the fourth quarter, and then poof, it disappears. I was still extremely impressed by the way he played. I still have faith in the kid, and I think fans should too, because he clearly knows as a redshirt junior that he's got an opportunity. If he wants to make it to the NFL, new offensive coordinator, new wide receivers coach in Tony Washington, and a new quarterback in JT Daniels, this could be his year that he rises into that next tier of wide receivers in the Big 12. And I thought that his performance was really promising against Pitt, with the exception of that one mistake. I realize you can't you can't take it back now, but I think that people ought to give him maybe just a little bit more slack and that they should still back him because he's going to be super important to any success West Virginia has on offense this year. That's just what I think. If you want to sit there and put that on Bryce first, um, maybe pulse check before you go out and do that. JT called Second, it a fluke play, man. I mean, he, that's exactly I think that's what I was going to say. He said nine out of ten times that ends up being the exact pass that they thought that it would be. It just so happened it was not this one time, and it was critical. Right. That, I mean, like we said, the way that Bryce was out there fighting, and that that by no means should be put strictly on Bryce. And he still went out there and was still battling with this team after that. Yeah, is that a blow? But if we want to sit here and pick apart plays that could have changed and we should put the blame on who, then my goodness, we might never leave this podcast, right? Like <laughs> yeah, we, we gotta wrap we definitely, this up. <laughs> we definitely could, you know, be here for quite a while. So I, I'm just going to leave it with what JT said. Optimistic about this team. You hate to have to use a loss to find it that way, but what if, what like what is the one thing we know? You learn more from a loss than you learn from a win, and unfortunately, it had to happen this way, but I think this West Virginia team is going to be better for it. I think they're going to be more mature for it, and I think you're going to see a lot more fight in this team than you have seen in the past couple of years. Neil Brown called Kansas the most improved team in the Big 12 Conference. That's who West Virginia gets next weekend as it looks to bounce back and get to 1-1 one one at home at Milan Pushkar Stadium. That one, September 10th, primetime kickoff on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. A 6 o'clock kick in the league opener between the Jayhawks and Mountaineers. Stick with GoldenBlueNation.com throughout the week as we look ahead to that matchup. And of course, after the game, we'll drop another post-game reaction podcast right here on your feed. The Golden Blue Nation podcast presented, as always, by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WV lawfirm.com stick with goldenbluenation.com and the gbn app this weekend because we're going to have some really great coverage of alec manoa's stop in pittsburgh with the toronto blue jays angelica and i are going to edit this podcast we're going to send it out to you and then we're going to head over to pnc park to get ready to see our boy ak hopefully throw a gem against the buckos listen he knows we're going to be in attendance so maybe he'll be like hey this one's for angelica nick yeah yeah, that's right maybe you know what i'm saying i hope i hope he has a great night and dedicates it to us immediately i 
I'd like to thank Nick and Angelica for attending. I'll now open it up for questions in my post-game press conference. I would like to thank Nick and Angelica for being there in the Big 12 championship (laughs) games that I was in. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? We've been there. We've been rocking with him, and we know some special guests are going to be in attendance to see this one here tonight. So definitely keep it locked to our digital platforms. I know that uh, a lot of other West Virginia media will probably be covering high school football and such. So. You want to know more about AK? You want to follow along? Looks like you got no choice but to follow along with Golden Blue Nation. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap on this Golden Blue Nation podcast. We're brought to you, by, as always, by Print and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com. For our Mountaineer football insider, Angelica Trenone, I'm Nick Farrell. Talk to you next time on the Golden Blue Nation pod.